My name is Michael Lamb and I'm a senior associate in the commercial and projects team here at Shoesmiths. Hello, my name is Ellie Wood and I'm an associate in the commercial and projects team here at Shoesmiths. Welcome to the latest podcast in the ShoePod sessions. The purpose of these sessions is to help our listeners understand the key components of a commercial contract. Today's topic on our journey through a contract series is a discussion about insurance provisions. Yes, in this session we will be focusing on the insurance clause. Michael and I have discussed general boilerplate provisions in another ShoePod session and the insurance clause is a typical boilerplate clause where the principle of its inclusion isn't usually heavily negotiated. However, in the ShoePod we will be looking into some of the key points around the commercial considerations a business may have when negotiating the insurance clause and the level of insurance it requires from the counterparty. So what does an insurance clause do? The purpose of an insurance clause is usually to require a party to maintain a certain level or type of insurance. You will commonly see such clauses in supply contracts where the supplier or customer is required to have in place insurances for specific liabilities, depending on the type of goods or services being supplied. There may also be obligations requiring the other party's interest to be noted on insurance policy or an obligation for copies of the insurance policies to be provided. But while having insurance in place is common for most businesses, it is important that both parties carefully consider the exact implications of the clause. The first thing to consider when negotiating the insurance clause is where you fit into the transaction in relation to risk. Who is bearing the most risk and therefore requires the most protection? For example, the insurance requirements of a supplier of goods or services will differ to the customer of that supplier and this will usually determine the insurance requirements. The insurance policies required by a party will always depend on the specific transaction. Examples of typical insurance policies that a party may require are public liability insurance, professional indemnity insurance, employer's liability insurance or product liability insurance. While the type of insurance required depends on the types of risks and incidents which must be covered, it's also important to be aware that simply requiring the other party to have in place a specific insurance cover does not mean they will automatically be liable for losses associated with that insured risk. That will usually be governed by other provisions in the contract. So now we've covered what the insurance clause usually does, let's look into the ways in which insurance clauses may be drafted to protect the party from risk. In some cases where the contract is low risk to both parties, then the parties may be comfortable with a general requirement for each party to maintain and enforce insurance policies commensurate with their obligations in the contract without the express requirement for a particular level of insurance or even a particular type of insurance. You can sometimes see these obligations include a requirement for the insurance policy to be held with a reputable insurance company or an insurer of good financial standing, meaning the insurer is recognised and appropriately regulated within that market. A more detailed clause may contain a requirement for each party to provide proof of such insurance policies to the other party. And this could be at the start of the transaction or there may be a requirement to repeat this on an annual or regular basis. Or perhaps another requirement could be to note the other party's interest on the policy. Before agreeing to such an obligation, however, it is important to check that the insurer is willing to do this, as that will not always be the case. The noting of a party's interest does not normally mean that they become co-insured with direct rights against the insurer either. Where there are specific risks to cover, a more detailed insurance clause would usually require the specific type of insurance with a specific level of cover. For example, public liability insurance with a limit of at least 5 million for all claims or 5 million per claim. The level of risk and the value of the contract would need to be considered here to de- decide whether the level of cover is sufficient for claims which would arise during the contract, whether this is for all claims or on a per claim basis. This is an important commercial decision which has to be had between the parties. Now, the level of insurance is often linked to the price of the goods or services. A supplier's insurance costs are usually factored into the price they have charged. 
A customer requiring a higher level of insurance or additional insurances may therefore find that the supplier requests a price increase as a result. The supplier's argument would be that their current level of risk is factored into the price and the cost of insurance for a greater level of risk affects the price. It is common for the level of insurance to be negotiated alongside a party's limitation on liability cap as well, and asking for a higher liability cap could also lead to price increase discussions. Looking at it from the other side, the party being protected by the insurance policy should consider if the insurance policy will be adequate in the event that the cost of the goods and services under the contract increases, and if not, if there is other adequate protection under the agreement. But thinking about the value of goods or services, the customer usually wants to ensure that the supplier maintains adequate insurance similar to that value to cover its liabilities to the customer if something goes wrong. While any potential liability is governed by the terms of the contract, having the insurance in place gives a certain level of comfort that there is potential protection. Exactly. Another factor to consider is the potential value of damage which could be caused. An example would be where the customer buys products, but because of an inherent fault with the products, the products cause £1 million of damage. Putting aside the question of liability and how the contract deals with this, if the contract included a requirement for the supplier to maintain product liability insurance of at least £1 million, this could provide comfort to the customer in this scenario. Or another example would be where a provider of services, for example an architect, provides negligent advice which leads to a customer suffering a million pounds of direct losses as a result of the negligent advice. If the contract required the architect to maintain professional indemnity insurance with a limit of at least a million pounds, at the outset the customer knows there is this potential level of protection in place if something went wrong. It's important to note that any insurances in place may not cover all of the potential loss or even any of it depending on the terms of the contract and the insurance policy in place. And the insurance provisions need to be considered in the context of the entire contract. Even including a contractual obligation to insure will not guarantee that the insurance will be put in place. It would of course be a breach of contract if this obligation was not complied with. Where the insurance requirements are of a particular importance, a party could consider inserting a time limit for claims to be notified to an insurer to ensure that any policy time limits are complied with. Furthermore, sometimes parties may try to insert a claims cooperation clause to require that the other party will help deal with any insurance claims or has the option to be involved in any claims. Well, that brings today's ShoePod session to an end. We've discussed the main components of a typical insurance clause and highlighted the importance of considering the clause alongside the liability provisions and other provisions in the contract. The existence of an insurance policy and an insurance clause does not automatically guarantee protection from risk and it's important that any insurance clause is carefully considered in a commercial way to ensure both parties are protected from risk associated with the contract to the extent possible. The type of insurance policy and the insured limit of that policy are the most commonly negotiated points. If the existence of insurance is particularly important, consider additional obligations requiring proof that insurance is in place and consider requesting that your interest is noted on an insurance policy if possible. Thank you for listening. Thank you and goodbye for now.